DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Time to bring in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, presented by the Murdoch Auto Group. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? How many years have you guys been doing this? Uh, 18. Wow, that's awesome. Must be nice to have veterans like yourself leading the way every morning for everyone. <laughs> Uh, we like it. I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but we're totally in favor of it. In a un- in a unique time, it's probably very comforting for people to have you every morning and this level of regularity and knowledge and know that you're that you're here. I think it's great. You're doing great things, DJ. Thank you. So you ready TK, for the- you t- TK? You too. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, one story that the NBA, uh, there are people who don't want the NBA to come back, some unnamed agents and uh, unnamed uh, executives, whoever they are, led to a whole storm of, no, 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 they're coming back stories. So uh, which one are you buying more? I I think I've been pretty consistent on this. I don't know when, if I said it last week on your show or not, but I've been kind of I haven't really staked my my flag in the ground entirely, but I, I do feel pretty strongly that um, I'm pretty optimistic that there's going to be a conclusion of the regular season. I don't exactly know how that's going to work. You know, I, there was a story this week, the Warriors don't anticipate partaking, and there's a whole discussion there of, like, are you really trying to reduce the amount of people so maybe teams that are out of it don't come back? I don't, I don't know that. But um, here's my thought process, and and – uh, I'll walk you through it, and then uh, since I kind of voiced this for the first time, a lot of things have happened that back it up, so I feel more comfortable today sharing it than I have in the past. In the past, it's really been you know very speculative on my end. There seems to be a little bit more comments coming out of different places where this backs up. So you actually start backwards. So start with the 2021 season, so next year. And, and I think that's the most important season to the NBA right now. That's the one that they would like to pull off with as much normalcy as possible. Um, this one's already been damaged. So I don't think we're starting that season in a quest to have normalcy any sooner than the first regular season game being December 18th. Um, And then I think you play an opening week with a big Christmas celebration and you're on your way. And we've talked about this a lot, that that's something that I think the NBA is really curious about seeing what happens if they go from December to August. So, Understanding that, that December 18th is probably somewhere around there. I'm picking that date randomly, but it's a, it's a Friday night a week before Christmas is the opener. Um, then I don't think training camp has to open until uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving. If training camp doesn't have to open the month till the Monday after Thanksgiving, then you don't have to finish the regular season until late September. And then the players get 60 days before they come back. Um, and you frankly don't have to give them 60, but 60 would be nice, right? That would be ideal. If that's the case and you don't have to finish the finals until late September, you don't actually have to start this thing again until middle of July and really probably don't have to be at camp until July 1 or maybe even as late as July 4. That just gives the NBA two months more to work to get this thing so they figure out how they're going to do it. And I'm optimistic that they're going to be able to figure out a way to do it. Now, let's be honest. We're in Utah where things have gone well. Our officials jumped on it pretty early. Summit County particularly jumped on it and deserved great accolades. Angela Dunn's been amazing. Um, The work of Jenny Wilson and Aaron Mendenhall and cahoots with Governor Herbert have been 
you know, fabulous in Salt Lake County and Salt Lake City. And so we're feeling something very different than when I talk to people in California. I was talking to Ben Golliver the other day for our Lockdown NBA episode, and they'd had more deaths in the day than we've had in the entire state the entire time in just Los Angeles. So where you are across the country, I think, is dictating your feel on this more so than we probably realize in Utah. And our feeling here is we're returning to some level of normalcy and it feels as though we've flattened the curve and that things are heading the right direction. Uh, There are places where that is certainly not the case right now. And so I think you have to be a little cautious with my optimism because it doesn't take a lot to derail what I'm talking about, but I do think we'll play in July and I think we'll play through September and I think we'll tip off December, you know, 17th or 18th for the 2021 season. Ride on, yeah. I'll sign up for that. That's awesome news. Thank you for being a ray of sunshine instead of more doom and gloom. I hate that. I want to hear good things. even if The interesting fake. one is I'm hearing that the NHL is considering the same thing, which I just, and so, which I just didn't. I thought the NHL was in trouble because I thought I didn't think they'd be willing to start their second their next season in December. Um, but I, it does. I mean, I, there's two parts to it, right? Here's the irony of all of it. One of the reasons the NBA would like to start their season in December, and this is like here I'm up DJ's alley. Like this is TK, you'll laugh because this is like DJ stuff. Like we've always <laughs> heard this doesn't happen by accident. You don't just do this, right? We've all heard DJ say this like a million times. It feels very good. so. Uh, the week before Rudy tests positive in Oklahoma City, the we play the Celtics. While we're playing the Celtics, the Sloan Conference actually goes off, which in retrospect is kind of crazy. Um, at the Sloan Conference, which is the analytics analytics sports conference, the owner of one of the owners of the Atlanta Hawks presents a paper about how the NBA should move their schedule starting in December and running through August because it would be better for them TV ratings-wise, fan engagement, avoid the NFL, compete with baseball with a different type of sport, better for the TV networks, a whole litany of reasons why and analyzes it. Do you think that, DJ, that doesn't happen by accident? It doesn't happen by accident, David. So I think, you know, it was something that was being bantied about and had been floated as an idea publicly, ironically enough, 10 days before, seven days before the league shut down, the idea of going to this new schedule because it would move you away from football and be better for the league anyway. It's a pretty radical change, but here's your opportunity to do it. And then as we've talked about before, I think you do it and then feel it. And if you need to start December 1st, the next year you do that. And if you need to start, you know, November 15th, the next year you do that, you just start to find where the the right point is, but I think everyone kind of agrees that October 16th is not necessarily the right time for the league to compete with the NFL for three months. Final note on that of interest, sorry, very long-winded, is the irony of this could be that both the NHL and the NBA alter their schedules to avoid football, and then college football happens in the spring, right in the middle of when they're playing. Yeah, for one year. Right. So are there any teams that are built to, uh, or will it all be even, are there teams that are built to have an advantage as they come back? Is there any team you think, or, or some team that's built to have a disadvantage as they come back? Well, I think the, there's, so the team that has the advantage, I would say, is the Lakers, because LeBron's just older, and he's the oldest one playing, and so he's healthiest. I think the 76ers have an advantage, because Ben Simmons was having a back injury, and he returns. I would say that Houston has an advantage because of the fact that they um, 
uh, James Harden was clearly injured in some capacity, as, and they were not playing well. Uh, I'd say Oklahoma City has an advantage because Chris Paul will be fresh and he's older. And I honestly would say we have a huge disadvantage when we just have shown no no ability to come out of the gate with rhythm in a rhythm-based offense after any time off, right? We were pretty terrible on the backside of the All-Star break, and we didn't start the year very well offensively. We've always taken some time to get things ready, and we don't have time. So um, if you're looking at it purely just on, on those levels, I, I feel like Denver, um, considering how Nikola Jokic started the year this year, you could probably make a case that Denver should be a little concerned about how this is going to go. Um, unless he comes back in surprisingly good shape. Um, over on the East, you know, does Victor Oladipo get more healthy in this time off? He hadn't really integrated and kind of screwed them up a little bit. Is Indiana better? Um, and that's probably, I think Toronto has begun to get healthy. So, um, you know, Milwaukee was way better than everyone else, and they got a restart. That's got to be a disadvantage. Yeah. I'm looking at it maybe from a long term rather than this summer or fall as far as decisions being made because most ball clubs they have decisions that they have to make every summer every year it's a constant state of evaluation you know do you offer this guy another contract do you need to shore up this particular position specifically to the jazz uh with this uh truncated season however it uh, comes to pass I'm wondering if they could be in a, at an advantage because, as far as going into the following season, because most of their guys are under contract for next year, whenever that form is, so they don't have to make any big decisions in the immediacy. They'll have more time, more time to analyze before they have to make the bigger decisions a year from now. I think you're right. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson would be the big free agent. Uh, this is not going to be an advantageous market for free agents. I don't know how bad it's going to be. We don't know because if they don't play and you take a billion-dollar loss, then the cap, and they don't smooth the cap, then it drops like 35%, and that gets pretty crazy. Um, so I you know, I think they're going to try to avoid that scenario, uh, one, by playing, or two, by smoothing. So assuming Jordan Clarkson returns, you actually probably have a very similar team to what you bring back, and Tony Bradley continues to develop, and so that position gets better, and and I think everyone settles into their roles. So, yeah, I do think the Jazz would have a level of continuity coming on the on the backside of this that maybe some other teams would. I think you'll see a lot of teams punt um, and just decide that they don't have enough data or that they don't have an opportunity to really change the team up in the offseason if this happens. I, I'd be surprised. I, it was supposed to be an offseason of limited player movement. I think this will be even less. I think the other question is, when I was in Boston, I sat down with someone, so again, that same week before the league shut down, and we sat down and went through the 11 coaches that we anticipated could get fired. Um, so 33% of the coaches in the league we thought would turn over. One of them did shortly thereafter in Kenny Atkinson. Now, what happens to the other, like, you know, nine? Like, Jim Boylan's pretty obvious. There's a new GM. He's dead man walking in Chicago. But all the others that were kind of on the edge or there were little things going on, like, is there going to be, like, a logical, appropriate time by which you release a coach? And then if if we're still under some sort of restrictions and you can't put your coaching staffs together for meetings and things of that nature, are you, and you're not having summer league, are you just deciding to roll with your coach that you currently have and make your change later? I think that's going to be a really interesting question.
How about just the fact that there's going to be less money to pay guys off with, and so any coach who's on the bubble ends up getting the benefit of the doubt? Because I think we just saw that happen in college basketball. There was way less turnover. And and there's maybe a political element because you're dealing with a lot of state universities, so it doesn't look good to be buying somebody out. But also the boosters who are doing the buying out, they just lost money in the market or they're losing money in their businesses. They don't want to write a check to buy a coach out. And owners who are, I mean, just just look at our local franchise here. You own movie theaters and they're closed. You own car dealerships. And obviously people aren't buying cars or anything near close to the same rate. So, I, I, I mean, I'm buying PK, one today. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, I'm not saying no one's buying a car, but they're not buying cars at the same rate. And I just think just, PK always says, follow the money. Well, NBA teams and all pro sports, I would say the same thing with baseball and football. If there's a coaching change and it's an if call, the owner's probably taking a hit and probably says, mm, I don't want to pay somebody off. Let's go one more year and see. Well, here's the interesting one I, I don't think I haven't heard enough about or haven't heard about. So you have Larry Ellison, who the league has denied a bunch of times, who's in um, San Francisco, uh, who's been trying to buy an NBA team. You have Chris Hansen in Seattle who's been trying to buy a team. Are they just – and I don't know what's happened to them financially, right? So I don't know. Like, I mean, Larry Ellison has so much money, nothing could happen to him financially. And Chris Hansen, I don't know what's happened to him. Um, he does have some other money in there, T-Mobile and some other money in there that's pretty good. Um, but, like, are they just vultures right now? Like, are there is one of 30 NBA teams going to end up moving because of this? A two of 30? Is, you know, I mean, I think that's an interesting – question. I mean, there was a firestorm yesterday because a minority owner of the Spurs sold out and everyone started freaking out. Um, but it meant something more. I don't think it did, but it, it did kind of tip off the concept that you're alluding to there, that there could just be complete, you know, there's an upheaval taking place. Well, it's interesting that there would be that degree that that would happen. I would be more along the lines of settle, but who knows what the situation is going to be. Would there be some type of league directive if that came to pass where they would say, hey, let, let's let's do stuff to stabilize, to get through this, and then make decisions after the fact? You know, I really, I, I, you're out of my league. I don't have any idea. What you're saying is completely logical and seems what the purpose of having a league is and, and what you do to be supportive to those franchises. I think that's... Um, I think what you're expressing is I don't know the mechanisms inside the league of whether they what what they have at their disposal to do that. I mean, they've extended their line of credit a great a huge amount. I think uh, when this first hit, which is their first act, and I don't know what else they have for mechanisms. That's, I don't know that. Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for looking forward, and uh, we all hope you're right about the way things uh, resume and get rolling. Thanks a lot for uh, coming on. And you can evaluate whether I usually am or not. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is presented by the Murdoch Auto Group right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mark Amacone, Salt Lake Bees team president and GM, joins us coming up next. If you're craving football, Michael Katz, Wyoming Cowboy local uh, beat writer for the Laramie Boomerang and the Wyoming Tribune Eagle joins us at 9 o'clock. And the Cowboys are on the Aggie schedule, of course. They're also on the youth schedule this year. So our spring football tour continues with Michael Katz covering the Wyoming Cowboys at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.
Joining us now, the one and only Frank Layden. you got to hang in there and be tough. How about those books that you meant to read or great music that you wanted to listen to or movies that you wanted to see? This is a time to do those things. How about conversation? To be able to just talk and spend this rare time that we have together and start to make plans for the future. Maybe let's go back to school, travel to places that you never dreamed of. We're going to get another chance and we have to take advantage of it. But don't give up. And it's very important. Have a sense of humor. That's how the Irish survived, you know. We've always had a great great sense of humor and a lot of times been able to laugh when others have found it necessary to cry the big show weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network DJ PK, it's time to talk a little baseball with mark amicone salt lake b's team president and general manager mark jones mark joins us on the sprint special guest line Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Mark, good morning. Hey, guys. How you doing? We are doing well. We've been hearing all kinds of things about baseball. And we know as team president, GM, you are plugged in. You talk to major league people. You talk to other minor league people. Uh, you're part of, obviously, for people who are you know been in town for like three minutes and don't know, the bees are owned by the Jazz. So you're, you're tied into all of that. And uh, everybody's wondering, what is up with sports? And specifically, what is up with baseball? What do you know for sure? What do you probably know, and what do you suspect? Jump in anywhere you want, because you know way more than we do. <laughs> well, I would say what do we know for sure is we really don't know what we don't know. Um, you know, there's there's so many variables out there, and, and the discussions, um, you know, kind of uh, a lot of planning and a lot of thoughts and, you know, what ifs and what if that and what if this. And, you know, the the discussion eventually just turns around and comes right back to, you know, where are we at with the the health initiatives and, and the guidelines and can we open. And, um, you know, and in our case, from, you know, a, a relaxed guideline and reopening sort of thing, it's, um, you know, Utah has to be open, but in our case, so does California, and so does Washington, and so does Nevada, and Texas, and New Mexico, and you know the the different places we play. Um, so the the you know the bottom line for us is when when is it safe uh, to move around? When is it safe to travel? Um, and and in the in the case of minor league baseball, especially. Uh, when is it safe to have fans come back to games? Um, you know, in, in our business model, it doesn't make sense really to have uh, minor league games without fans. In the major leagues, they can do that. They have television, and not just from a revenue standpoint, one of the uh, things I'm kind of looking forward to with uh, major league baseball getting going and having games on TV is some activity and some hope and some excitement to say, hey, things are, are happening and moving forward and, um, you know, fun to watch and do that. But at, at our level, you know, without fans, there's there's really uh, uh, not much for us to do in our home cities. I, I still, you know, I, they're not going to uh, completely not play minor league games and have minor league players in camp because, I, you know, you just simply can't afford to, uh, if possible, to not 
have your, or excuse me, to have your players miss an entire year of, of development and practice and workouts and things is is really difficult. So uh, I suspect we're going to see baseball. Um, I'm really hoping sooner than later. Uh, you know, today's May first, so um, unfortunately <laughs> for us, and I kind of chuckle at that a little bit. We just finished the driest April in in our history here in Salt Lake, and uh, which is good weather for playing baseball. And unfortunately, we did not have any games yeah i thought about that mark as i sat out in high school games with you in the 40s uh not the yep. uh, decade but the temperatures <laughs> i gotta say in the, in the 1940s or in the temperatures <laughs> <laughs> and you know games that were played uh, where everybody's bundled up and there's literally snowflakes uh falling down and then sure enough we have the driest april where the weather has been great i actually thought about that because we basically had uh, late May, June weather, and there's been no baseball, and that that sucks on all sorts of levels, from the high school all the way up to your level and into the majors. And, you know, you talk, you hit on that uh, thing that I thought was really key, as far as we understand the economics, but also the development of these guys playing, not being able to play ball. So we've heard that big leagues you know discussion have it in phoenix or what have you has there been any discussion about that if the minor leagues cannot play because as you say you know the california issue is different from the utah issue has there been any talk about centralizing it so at least get these guys some type of development well that that's out there um you know whether it makes sense to put them at their own spring training sites in in you know Phoenix and 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 Florida especially you know from the major from the organizational standpoint all of their players are used to being there they go there for training camp they have the facilities could they all get together and play games there that you know i mean every facility has um eight or 12 backfields we call them where they can uh, can actually play and, and have players on site as well as the medical staff and workout facilities and those kind of things so you know i think that might be more feasible than let's say let's say utah's in good shape and they decide to send some players here and you know we could play in Salt Lake and Orem and Ogden and those kind of things. Uh, I, I think the logistics of that are are much more difficult than playing in their own in their own facilities. But uh, they're they're definitely going to do all we possibly can to make sure uh, the players do get get workouts because you know I mean even at that level it, it becomes such a it may be even more important at that level than even the lower levels because it becomes such a routine of every single day you're doing this and you're playing games and you're in this routine and and when that goes away it takes quite a bit to get yourself back to what you would consider playing at at a specific level so um, anything they can do or we can do as a as an industry to have the players play um, and work out and get their reps in is very important for the 2021 season I, I mean when 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 21 opens up um, if we for some reason can't get things going this year they still need to have those workouts. And I, and I suspect, again, uh, especially at the major league level, they're going to do everything feasibly possible to play, even if it ends up going into uh, November or even later, because, you know, they, again, at that level, they have an advantage of, 
being able to play in some warm weather neutral sites and and those kind of things. But uh, I'm intrigued by some of the models. You know, we've looked at the the, the Arizona Florida model and then the latest um, the latest uh, plan of possibly restructuring into three separate divisions and you know doing a regional thing where the team there's teams in the west and then the midwest and then in the east uh and playing in their own stadiums i think there's some logic to that so um but we'll see i mean you know the big uh, the biggest and, and most critical part of the whole scenario again is back to what can we do from a health and safety and medical standpoint? Or, you know, do we have the testing available? Do we have treatment available? Uh, you know, when are when are players and staff going to be safe to go do those things? And you know, and then the next the important part of that is when when can we allow fans to to come? And you know, and we may be in a situation where, uh, in our case, I mean, maybe the capacity of our stadium is not 15,000 because of some health and social distancing guidelines and things. Maybe the, maybe our capacity becomes uh, much less than that, and we uh, strategically allow people to sit in, in different places in the ballpark. And, you know, even that would be a, a major step forward and an exciting thing for us to have happen. It would be a major step forward, and it would be exciting, but it would also impact the bottom line because you get some pretty good crowds out there. I mean, your fireworks crowds are just massive. But, you know, even when the summer gets going, it's not unusual to see seven to 10,000 people out there. And when you start talking social distancing, I was wondering if you would lose, you know, like two-thirds of your capacity right away. And what does that do from a, a business perspective if you can only have four or 5,000 people in the park? Well, I think obviously the the lesser number that we we could make impacts that, but um, you know, but four or five thousand is a whole lot better than zero, and and you know, so from an economic business standpoint, if we can start moving ahead and putting putting fans in the in the seats and and being able to do a, a quality food service situation for for those that do come, uh, obviously that really helps our economics. But you know, I, I also see us as uh, an instrument to do something else and something better for the community. I mean, for heaven's sakes, all of a sudden we can go to a ball game. How cool would that be? How nice would that be to get outside, um, see a ball game? be together even if it's social distanced by by six or eight or ten or twelve feet whatever it may be in small groups and and those kind of things that's just such uh, a shot in the arm for for us um as you know as a community to be able to come back out and you know hey yeah let's do a fireworks show and and whether we can get you know, 15,000 people again or not, those that are there and those that can see it from around the community, it, it sends a great message and it allows us to, to you know, pull up our boots and kind of get, get moving again. Can you speak to those stories that have been out there where they're talking about eliminating some minor league teams, what that is all about? Well, that you know, that's there's been eight million different rumors, and and you know, obviously the the health situation has has impacted the the opportunity to have uh, continued 
talks and negotiations and you know i i, I suspect that we're still going to have uh, a, a resolution that makes sense and you know again with what's happening right now it's just really slowed down the uh the opportunity to you know to get together and meet and negotiate but um it's you know from a purely baseball standpoint uh, it's player development player welfare those kind of things do we play a little bit more regionally and 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 you know have a few more days off during the season and those kind of things so i think uh, those the, that's all out there what kind of uh, how good is our facility to take care of the players and um, but you know right now that's also taken a, a bit of a backseat to to getting baseball going again you you mentioned the whole three division, ten teams each concept with everyone pretty much aligned by time zone. But I'm intrigued by that because there's only eight teams in the Pacific and Mountain time zones. You get to ten for what would, I guess, be the Western division if you put Houston and Texas in there. But that's a two-hour shift on the starting time. I think a lot of people would not be in favor of that. It would be more lucrative if, say, Portland and Vegas got Major League Baseball and there were ten teams in these time zones. How likely the major leagues to Portland and Vegas, obviously that would impact you guys a little bit. I, you know, I, I'd like to, uh, I think it'd be more fun if Vegas and Salt Lake got, uh, I think uh, major league baseball (laughs) at some point that, you know, that, that, that'd make the 10, 10 team situation a lot more fun out this way, I think. But, um, you know, that, that's the other thing that's, that's being discussed is, you know, is, is this kind of speeding up the possible possibility of expansion? Um, you know, with the, the revenues that have been lost and, and things this year with, with the delay in the season and who knows where it goes is, you know, expansion fees and things like that can add some money back into the, uh, back into the coffers for major league baseball. And, you know, let's say they expand by two and, and they happen to take, you know, I mean, the, the cities I'm here and, uh, more so, or and this doesn't solve the east-west kind of thing. But, but I'm here in Las Vegas. I'm here in Charlotte. Hmm. Um, Nashville has kind of come up a couple of times, but the Las Vegas and Charlotte, and you know, and then Las Vegas has really become quite, you know, the uh, the major league city recently. And um, but if that happens and they add two, and that takes away. You know, in our case, two AAA cities. You know, then all of a sudden you got to add four AAA cities because, um, you know, you would have to make up for the two you lost, and then the two additional teams would would need a city because each each major league club has to have an affiliate. So now there would be thirty two, and um, so it kind of intrigues us with, you know, where would where would we have more AAA cities? But um, you know, I, I think that that most current uh, immediate. Uh, time frame, yeah, I think Houston and uh, and, the, and the Rangers would end up out this direction. You touched on Vegas becoming a major league city. Why is that? It used to be that they were pariah and you couldn't be associated with them, and now it seems like everything is lining up, pointing in that direction. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because I've thought about that and had discussions about that quite a bit. Because from a sporting event standpoint. Um, Holy cow! We we really wanted to shy away from 
from Las Vegas and from the uh, you know the open gambling in Nevada and those kind of things and you know it, it's really changed over the years. I mean you know PK you and I well and DJ when you were uh, I'm much really, younger. Really leave me out of it. Chasing yeah there you are. <laughs> but but chase you know but chasing the conference basketball tournaments. I remember oh, yeah. when yeah. you know the, even back to the the WAC and then the Mountain West and uh, the development of those conferences and the Pac-12 tournaments uh, being in Las Vegas and now the Raiders going there and uh, the NHL is there and and, uh, the NBA Summer League and some of those kind of things. It's really become, uh, you know, I don't know if if the society norms have changed a little bit in terms of why we were afraid of Las Vegas, but Las Vegas has also grown an awful lot. I mean, I, I remember going down there and then Henderson was kind of like, okay, it's grown and we're going out that direction. Well, now my heavens, you go way out West and, and, you know, Summerlin and, uh, and, and Southwest has grown all the way to the mountains. So, you know, it's become a big city. It's a, it's a bigger city. I should say the weather is, is generally good. Um, you know, and the people that are there, um, understand about spending entertainment dollars and things like that. So, um, but uh, but obviously, I think our our uh, our attitudes towards um, sports being in Las Vegas has has changed quite a bit. I think a lot of it's technology, Mark. This phone I'm holding right now, I can gamble on that. I don't have to go to Vegas. And the sad thing is, I'm not that much younger than you. And so we all remember in our 20s and our 30s, you had to go to Vegas to gamble, and you don't. You just have to take your phone out of your pocket if that's what you want to do. Well, I'm not even smart enough to barely know how to use it as a telephone. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how all the, all the other things work on our, on our phone. But yeah, that's you know, that's that's a really good point. I mean, everything we do now is is immediate. It's in our hands. It's um, you know, I mean, I, I I watched a TV commercial this morning where they said your next computer is not going to be a computer. It's going to be you know a tablet of some sort. And you think, wow, I remember when I, the very first time I, I got an iPad or whatever and wow this this is cool but it really can't do what my computer does well yeah we we are in a different different situation now and and you know you go to the ballpark and even being at the ball game and sitting there with your with your phone and doing all the interaction with that game you're you're specifically watching and and all the other games that are going on that night it it's really changed how we how we uh, how we watch and how we interact with with professional sports. How much do you actually just literally just miss the game itself? Oh, I miss so much about it. It's, it's, you know, the game itself, we're talking about players. And in fact, we're doing a little historical thing right now. Uh, Steve Klauke wrote this uh, thing along with uh, some, some people from the city as we're, we're looking at future development around the ballpark and doing some things there, perhaps a museum and stuff like that, where, or a walk of fame outside that reflects the history of, of the game. And you start looking about and, and looking back about, uh, and this is way before me, but the, the uh, push him up Tony Lazari in, in Utah baseball history and Herm Franks being here. And, you know, many of the players that have been here over the years and you start to reminisce about the game itself and the 
players that are here and the fun of of watching the game. But I just miss being at the ballpark. I miss you know during a game and walking around and and watching the families and the and the buddies that are there just hanging out and having a good time. It's 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 such a great atmosphere that that, that um, yeah I, I'm missing that dramatically. It, it it really hurts. Mark, I know when I go to the ballpark the next time, I'm going to see you out on the train with your knees all scrunched up, aren't I? You're just going to be doing laps going back and forth. Well, you know what? I, unfortunately for me, my knees don't have to be scrunched up very much because I'm <laughs> I'm not all that tall. But uh, uh, yeah, I've had occasion to to drive that little train around and and ride in it, and so I know how to get in and out of it. I've I, I actually. Uh, had had one or two opportunities to drive the lawnmower and, and mow the grass, and after about two stripes, the groundskeeper made me get off because I couldn't go straight. So, um, yeah, you're, you're going to see me doing lots of different things at the ballpark. I can't wait to get back there. Well, Mark, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for coming on and uh, talking a little baseball. And we'll just leave it right where we started with uh, no guarantees. You don't know what you don't know, and you're not going to guess at what you don't know. Exactly. But we we will be back. We do know we will be back. Um, just just not sure when, and I can't wait to see you guys out there. And uh, uh, I'll buy you a hot dog when you get over that way. We, we appreciate it, Mark. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks. Mark Amicone, Salt Lake Bees team president, GM. Look at that. He didn't even he didn't even flinch, PK. He knew the way to buy my love was to buy me food. Well, he'll take you downstairs and then you go up and get the media food so you can get a you can get a you double header. Yeah, you double down <laughs> double down on the calories. It's the way to go. Walk into Steve Cocky's booth. Steve, don't mind me. I've had a lot to eat and it's really hot. I'm I'm gonna nod off for a minute here in the back of the booth. <laughs> Steve will just make puns while you snooze away. He probably would, yeah. That's probably how it would work. All right, DJ and PK had a little basketball, had a little baseball, got a little football ahead. Spring tour goes to Laramie. Wyoming Cowboys beat writer Michael Katz from the Laramie Boomerang and Wyoming Tribune Eagle talking about the Cowboys. How good are they? they got the Aggies and the Utes on their schedule this year. We'll talk with him coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We just had Mark Amicone on, Salt Lake Bees team president and GM. Can the AAA teams get all the states uh, aligned? It's not good enough that the, that we're in good shape here and the bees are good to go. Uh, as he pointed out, New Mexico and Texas and California and Nevada, and you got to get everybody all lined up. Or do you send everybody to Arizona? And you brought this up, PK. Baseball in Arizona, they've got the spring training complexes. But they've also got 110, 115, 117 degree days in in uh, in Phoenix. The Valley of Sun gets a little warm. Triple A, suck it up. <laughs> yeah, but they're already doing that because they have what they call extended spring training, and they send guys there. So they're playing games at night there. Uh, and yeah, and in this circumstance, if it came down to it, I mean, you need guys to develop. Yeah. 
They just and, have to. He, and if they're going to have, if they're gonna have this hundred game season too, they got to have the AAA guys playing because inevitably someone pulls a hamstring, a pitcher has an elbow issue, of all course. kinds of injuries come up, and so you you don't know what you know. You get you lose two shortstops, or you lose two starting pitchers, or what if you lose two catchers? I mean, you got to have a whole team playing. You got to be ready to go. Yeah, and in baseball. It's hard to recreate it. I mean, you can get a couple of guys in a gym and play two-on-two. You know, it's not five-on-five full court, but it's some form of basketball, and you can just shoot. And, and it's, you can you can hit in a cage or whatnot, but it's, it's just not the same. It's not the same in basketball, too. But shooting a free throw uh, unguarded from 15 feet, you know, it's basically the same. I realize ramifications and crowds and whatnot, and so the pressure could be a lot more different than it would be if you're alone. But in baseball, it's hard to recreate. You need the guys. You, you need to get out there and be out in the situations that arise during a given game. And you're right, if nothing else, that I think the rosters are talking about being expanded. wouldn't surprise me if they did that this particular season. But you look at teams... And, you know, they're normally going through at least 30 guys on their roster, if not 35, at one point or another. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how bad the injury situation gets. You can get teams. You always look at teams who are using 17, 18 pitchers. You know, the common denominator is usually those teams suck because (laughs) they've had to go through so much through either ineffectiveness or injuries, whatever it might be. Yeah, but you need arms. You just you you need arms. I mean that's that's the reality of the situation. And some guys get called up into the bigs because they're an arm. They may not be a great arm, but they're an arm. And particularly if you know you get a rainout or two and yep. games get backed up, you'll always hear they bring up Joe Blow and he comes up and makes his debut because they need an arm because they've got uh, they don't have a day off for another seventeen days, whatever it might be. And so they bring somebody up and he comes up and. As quickly as he comes up, he makes his appearance, and then they send him back down. So you negotiate a pitching staff the whole time. So you certainly need the Triple A and, and you know, likely the Double A too. And and just for the sake of our psyche as Americans, and I realize a lot of people aren't into baseball, and that's fine. But a lot of people just go to the ballpark. Don't even need to really be into baseball. Per se, they just want to go. It's something to do on a beautiful summer night, rather than sit. And you can sit in your backyard or sit at the ballpark and just be out there. And you've spoken about the sun setting. You know, all ballparks, the sun's always behind you. I remember I had an argument with my uh, brother-in-law. They like to question me in sports. It drives me nuts. And I made a statement. I said, you know, all professional ballparks, they they have to face east. And he's, you could see him running through his mind. And I said, dude, you can run through you can run through every single ballpark you want, but they're all going to face east. They really well. We we came up with one that you know it's like fourteen degrees. It faces to the Ooh, south. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, but but you just can't have batters staring into the sun, and that's pretty right. basic. And if they build a stadium and screw that up, people get fired. So right. uh, we had David Locke on earlier, radio voice of the Jazz, and he was talking about how he's even more optimistic that the NBA will be back. July, August, and he even explained why they can play into September and what that timeline would mean for starting the next season in mid-December. He picked out a late, mid to late December, basically a week before Christmas, um, so that everybody gets to have an opener and a home opener, and then you have the big Christmas 
uh, day, you know, five games, and that that was kind of a new thing they wanted to try out anyway. So he laid out why that would work. Uh, we also uh, told you earlier in the show um, – the SEC commissioner and then the University of Iowa president. The SEC commissioner is pretty upbeat. The Iowa president thinks they could be resuming activities June 1. So uh, we're going to continue on with the spring football tour next. Michael Katz, if football is coming on schedule, uh, how good are the Wyoming Cowboys going to be? They play the Utes in the non-conference schedule. They play the Aggies in the conference schedule. We'll talk with their beat writer, Michael Katz, from the Laramie Boomerang and Wyoming Tribune Eagle next.